Welcome to Custom D Startup Stories. We developers of web and mobile apps. And in this podcast series, we interview our startup founder clients. We get down and dirty and hear their unique stories, how they got started and what skills they think are needed to succeed. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, my name is Matthew Rhodes, and I'm one of the directors at Custom D. And I'm joined here by Julie Ryan, our managing director. Um, in case you didn't know, Custom D build web and mobile apps for startups. And this is the third webinar in a series called Startup Stories, where we hear from clients about their journeys in startup land. Uh, today, we're lucky enough to be talking to Danny Hugh, founder of SameView. Um, and I'll let Danny introduce himself and what SameView is in a minute. But I will say that it's been uh, it's been a pleasure working with Danny so far and what is a pretty awesome product, um, whether spitballing product features together in a workshop or just talking about new ideas over ramen noodles. Um, Danny introduced us to the best ramen <laughs> bar in town. It's very important. Um, it's been great to be along for the journey so far. So I'm very yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what Danny has to say today. We've got some, some questions lined up. Um, we've allowed about 45 minutes for the session with a bit of time for Q&A. So if you have any questions, just pop them in the chat um, and we'll do our best to answer those as they come up. Other than that, uh, I'll hand it over to you, Danny, to tell us a bit about yourself and um, what SameView is. Yeah, so yeah, thanks for having me. I guess uh, in terms of talking about myself and... Um, uh, what same view is, I, I guess I'll, I'll start by telling you a bit, bit about my family. So uh, I'm the father of three children and uh, two of my children have a diagnosed disability. Uh, in particular, my youngest, uh, Monty, who's eight years old. So Monty was born uh, with, with a rare disease. And, and so I guess the thing you need to know about a kid like Monty is that, you know, he, he like all my other kids, we have all the same sort of goals and hopes and dreams for him. But for, to work towards those, those aspirations requires um, the support of our team. So in Monty's case, he's got somewhere between, you know, 30 to 40 different uh, doctors and therapists and support workers and uh, school teachers and people that are just in our lives that, you know, some we see every week, some we see every fortnight or once a year. But, uh, you know, they're all, an, every one of those people plays an important part of his team. Now, the hard thing about it all is that those people find it very difficult to communicate and collaborate with each other. Um, and so we found that particularly difficult ourselves as, as parents and carers. Um, and so that is the problem that, that we are trying to tackle with SameView. Um, SameView is an online platform that helps uh, families like mine and also individuals to coordinate their disability care. You know, the simplest way we could put it is that we get every person uh, from a person's team on the same page so that they they talk to each other, worked with each other so that, you know, the person and the family can achieve their goals uh, as, as effectively as possible. So, so you've identified what the, what the problem is that, that you're trying to solve. Like, how did you actually make the leap? And, and yeah, go, right, so, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess, you know, this... I mean, I, I, I'm happy to, to, to say to people, you know, before my son was born, like I didn't have much awareness about the 
um, disability community or the supports that are there, this, this amazing community of people and organisations and professionals that, that all work in, in this area, um, we were completely outside of it. Uh, and so before Same View, I worked as, um, as an engineer, so not, not even in, in, in this field. Um, but, you know, we, after Monty was born, we could see that so much of what was there to support um, us as a family was created just by other families and other people who, who you know, in, in years gone by had, had had a go themselves and then had created organisations or services or whatever that, that stay, stayed on and supported other families. So uh, uh, for, for Jess, my wife and I, once we had the idea, it, it, it just, you know, after a while, it was just this thought that, well, you know, we, we can give it a go. Like we, we should have a go and, and see if we could... Um, also do something that could put something back into this this amazing community. Mm. I did 30 to 40 different provide. I didn't realize it was actually that that you had you were dealing with that many. Is that pretty typical? So the numbers add up no matter what the I guess the diagnosis might be. Mm. Um, I would say that in Monty's case it's probably a little bit higher. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I guess it's timely because uh, Rare Disease Day, International Rare Disease Day is coming up. And so for kids like Monty, uh, particular, like, like Monty, that have supports both, say, inside the, the hospital system, so to speak, like, like clinicians in the hospital system, but then also outside, like our therapists and, and support workers and things like that, mm. that team then gets just a little bit bigger. But mm. for most families we see, you know, they'll... they'll They'll have, you know, in the case of, say, a child, they'll have a paediatrician, they'll have a support worker, you know, they'll be, they'll be maybe an occupational therapist, a speech therapist, physiotherapist. If they're at school, you've got their learning support, their school teacher, and then, say, the other family members that are involved as well. And so you could see those numbers just climb pretty quickly. Yeah. Do you think right. that the um, that the health providers feel the same pain as, as you do in terms of that coordination of, of care? Yeah, it's a, it, look. It's a it's a well, it's a well known and discussed problem, in right. really in all sectors of care. To be honest, whether it's aged care, chronic disease care, disability care, does, doesn't matter. It's that that communication issue is there. Um, we find that some some areas, some sectors can do a little bit better. So, say when you're inside the hospital. Um, if you're if you're an inpatient, you know there are systems within the hospital walls that allow those doctors and nurses and clinicians to talk to each other. But mm. once you sort of cross those sector boundaries, like say walking out of the hospital, that's where communication is really, really difficult. So say getting, you know, one of, one of your professionals from inside a hospital to talk to say like a school teacher, there are mm. no systems, I mean, apart from email that really allow effective communication that way well i guess you come up against sort of privacy laws as well like that you know that seems to be a fairly difficult um yes aspect to to traverse <laughs> yeah yeah definitely look a- anything like this where there's communication of of, of personal information um mm. privacy security is top of mind and and you know as as you and your team will know that's always at the the forefront of what we think about we in terms of that area, our principles are very much focused on giving the 
um, the family, the individual, the control over, over who gets to see the information and, and who they share the information with, which yeah. also models where our, I guess, our disability support system is going as well in terms of what we call that choice and control over who, who supports you and who, who you essentially spend your, might spend your funding on. Mm. So you, I mean, you're, you're really a user here, Danny, like the best startups usually come from actual problems with an urgent need to be solved. Um, so you, you know, you, being the dad, Monty, like, you know, this inside out, but how did you, I guess, how did you sort of validate the idea early on? Like, did you talk to people? Did you, how did you know that it was going to work for others? And this, this, your idea of the solution was going to have some traction and going to work? Yeah. So look, before, before we decided to jump in full time, when we first came up the idea, it, it, it's probably like other ideas that people come up with and go, oh, mm-hmm. well, maybe that's something or nothing, but Initial validation was actually just meeting other families that talked about the same problem. That then sort of got us to the point like, actually, this, this f- thought that we just had one evening isn't nothing. It's, it might be something. Mm. And then when we did start, it was just lots of, you know, interviews and discussions with families first. Families were, were very approachable, I guess, because we're, we're one of them, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we started to get more support from the professional community as well. And then just through those discussions and, you know, that, that really helped us to, to validate the problem and sort of guide us on sort of where we needed to go. Mm. Um, that being said, uh, being, being an engineer, you know, one thing I have had to learn is not to, you know, base it on our experience. I mean, I, I feel very fortunate that, I live the same lives as, as essentially like my customers. I'm, I'm really mm. proud of that. Mm. But I do have to be really careful that we don't just build something that's great for me. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, as an engineer, it, it, it's one of those things I've had to learn. It's, it's so tempting to just build something <laughs> and, you know, from start to finish. <laughs> based on everything that I reckon and, and yeah and then nobody loves it so and I think I think it's easier too in a way if you've got the skills development skills to, to kind of build something rather than to necessarily go out and do that hard work of talking to other people seeing where the overlaps are seeing where the need is but it's crucial like absolutely crucial but it's something that's like a common pitfall I think for a lot of startups yeah. is yeah I think because it's fun to build something, right? Like, you know, <laughs> that's, the, that's the fun part of, of starting something and the cool part. So you get really excited. You want to you build a great product and get it out there. So it is tempting to just, just run, yeah. run, rush ahead. Did you find, mm. with that process of doing the validation and talking to the families, did you find, was, was there a lot of unexpected issues, problems that came up? Or was it pretty much in line with what you were thinking? No, definitely. Like, uh, it's really sort of that, you learn a lot more sort of, what would you say, nuance around how, you know, while you might have a pretty good understanding in principle of the problem, how you might address it, you learn all the sort of the nuances of what people are thinking um, as you talk to them. And that sort of really then eventually turns into how, I guess, your, your say, your, your, um, your product, your, your app or whatever should actually function. So how do you actually do the thing to make it, but there's also the there's two facets to it as, as well, isn't there? There's the, the problem that you're solving, but then there's also the how do how do your customers and users interact with technology and, and apps, you yeah. know, and, and kind of meshing that together. Yes, and particularly the 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 
people that you're actually trying to serve, how mm. they want to use apps yeah. or you know technology is not the same as say another customer category. Um, mm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so you really have to. Uh, I, I, I would say when you look at our app, um, sometimes you know when I when I speak to people who are maybe from um, outside, I guess this community, and they look at it and they might question, well, why do things sort of function a certain way? And the answer is always, it's actually deliberate because our users want it that way. And it mm. doesn't seem logical at first, but it, when you understand sort of what people are thinking, uh, it, mm. it does make sense. Mm. Um, so, so you validated the idea then what? Like, how did, you, how did you make your first step forward? Like, what was after you, after you worked out that, yes, this is a need that's experienced by lots and understanding, you know, a lot of the different um, nuances of other people's experience? Like, what was, what was your next step? Well, you really, I mean, for me, it was getting getting support, particularly, you know, we, with this kind of product, it, it, it's great having the family support and that's that's extremely important, but you it doesn't work if you don't have the um, engagement on the professional side because you, you're counting mm -hmm. on them all working together. So yeah. it was really important to start to get clinician involvement, get their engagement which was actually pretty difficult. You know, we started this about four years ago and around that time, the disability sort of funding landscape in Australia was, was changing at the time um, quite rapidly. And so there was a lot of, I guess, uh, confusion and, 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 and sort of unsteadiness um, in the professional community. But, you know, slowly and steadily, we started to get their support. Um, we needed to get something out there uh, like a prototype, an MVP that people could test and, and really start to give feedback on once we had enough to build something like that. So, yeah, mm. so that was really the next step. And then, and then sort of parallel to that, you know, getting funding support, getting organisation support, um, getting in some ways some sort of attention so that people knew about us. Mm. Well, you've certainly done that pretty well. You've, you've, you've managed to secure a lot of um, prestigious awards and grants, um, through your four years so far like that's been very impressive to watch actually how you've managed to um, communicate your vision uh, to so many other people and and get the accolades for that and and therefore the promotion of your um, app and some funding to help you get going yeah it, look it's pretty we're, we're very fortunate to have been received such generous support from so many different people um, you know and, and and that that stuff is is hard because yes there's so many uh, incredible uh, people out there do, doing mm. things and, and, and there's a bit of luck in, involved and, you know, circumstances and things like that, but we, we're very lucky to have had that support. What, what's the saying? The harder, uh, the harder I work, the luckier I get? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, but look, it, it, we, we couldn't have, um, you know, fund, funding is, is hard, like, like particularly, I, I don't think it, it, this is the same for every startup, right? Like particularly that, that early stage, uh, pre-revenue um, there isn't much funding out there so you really have to work hard on things like grants and maybe crowdfunding and funding and yourself of course those kinds of things so yeah we, without that support we would really have struggled to get to mm. where we are mm. so you know uh, getting a startup off the ground is a is a huge time suck you know and a, 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 a mentally fatiguing like how how do you juggle that 
with the demands of your family, which are also, you know, you have additional um, needs and responsibilities yeah. there as well. Like, how, how do you kind of balance that? So I guess a couple of things, I guess, if we talk about the commitment to the startup first. So when we first had this idea, um, you know, it was around the time right after sort of Monty was born and, and pretty early we knew that our family demands were such that, you know, my wife and I couldn't keep working full-time, like both of us. You know, there's so many appointments that we go to and we still, we still have those sort of every single week, multiple times a week. Um, and so I started working part-time, I started contracting, and I thought maybe I could get this off the ground in the sort of the um, two days a week that I had spare for going to appointments, but um, maybe because I'm terrible at multitasking, I, I found it really <laughs> hard, yeah, to, to get any traction during that time. And it wasn't until, I guess, our family sort of made the decision to really give this a go and to sort of change our lives so that I could do this full time um, that we actually got any progress. So I think actually committing mm. a full-time effort to it, it, which is really hard to say and for people to hear because it, it's, you know, there's, there's you got to have some circumstances the right way to be able to do that. Mm. Um, but I found it personally really difficult to get any traction until I committed full-time. But mm. then going on to juggling that with, um, say, my family commitment and all that kind of stuff, I take a pretty strong view on not having taking any shortcuts with um i guess with, with my family and with my appointments and 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 you know and and things like that and um it's important to know that for families like mine uh kids say in you know, early intervention programs one of the things that can really improve their their success, so to speak, or their, their progress is the engagement of the carer or the parent. So mm, mm. my job to be as engaged as possible and going back to being, I guess, living a similar life to my customers, you know, I'm, I'm proud that, that, that I have the same sort of schedules as them. So I don't, I try not to make any excuses about that. Well, I've got, you know, three appointments. Well, that, that's just what it is. And, and mm. don't try and, um, run a race that that someone else like run run it in a way that that maybe another startup founder might run theirs i just mm. yeah. yeah it's a big it's a big step to go to full time isn't it like it's a big leap to take yeah yeah it was it was and and but really really enjoyable i think because you mm. could put your whole mind into it yeah i think that was the sort of the big difference and 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 knowing that every day you're just showing up to work on this and and not mm. sort of having it in the back of your mind i guess it's not just the time even just the time is it's also the headspace it's like yeah you are now yeah for me it was really mm. yeah you know you're absolutely right matthew like for me it was that um and and look other people might be better at this it might just be me to be honest so um that changing from thinking about one thing to another like you know having one job to another job to another like it's mm. i i find that probably doesn't help particularly in the early stages where you really need the creative juices going. Yeah. No, I mean, I've definitely heard I, I've, that. I've watched it's a our, common story. I've, I've watched our developers try and hold a conversation whilst making a coffee. <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they make that coffee umpteen times a day, they can't actually hold a conversation and make a cup of coffee. You're checking <laughs> ask Phil. <laughs> 
I've, I've definitely heard though from from founders before that same they echoed that same thing around you know taking that step was when they got traction they needed to commit full-time um and i guess it's it's a lot about timing and as you say having resources and i think you, you sort of touched on it just before but i did want to ask about funding and whether you had like did you have quite a clear strategy around funding did you were you like aware of all the different types of startup funding or vc or seed funding whether you should bootstrap the advantages to each did what was sort of in your head going on in your head around that yeah look i'll be i'll be completely honest you know i i came from a long career in the corporate environment uh, and so I imagined it would just be like any other project you would you would do in a, in a project sort of management sense you spend the money you build the product and then people just come and, and use it and it, you, job's done um, unfortunately that was not the case uh, build it and they will come yeah of yeah. course right um, uh, it's sad to think that actually most corporate environments still think like that but in terms of sort of funding, you know, we started with our, our own our own funding to get to get started. Um, what I didn't know about, I guess, was particularly in the social space, you know, that that there are sort of so like social impact type funding and grants and things like that. So I wasn't really aware of all of those things. I mean, to be honest, I was completely aware of all funding streams. Um, yeah. yeah, that that was something I really had to learn as, as I went. Okay. Yeah. And you well, you've been, as Julie said, you've been quite successful in terms of getting into some of those streams and, and you know, getting also getting not just um, you know, in terms of partnerships and I know you've been offered by other providers time, say whether it's someone offering analytics time or someone offering some of the UX design time or some Microsoft offering some credits. And I've, I've wondered sometimes whether that, because you have had quite a bit of that, whether it's almost uh does it become a, almost a burden in some ways knowing like consolidating that and knowing what to do because then you're having to coordinate a lot of different resources and, and people wanting to give their time even though it's all coming from a great place that's you have more hands in the project yeah i think i think look i've had to learn that you know early days of course you're just going to say yes to everything because you're just so grateful for any anyone that wants to help you in any mm -hmm. way but then i think to um properly i mean i still sort of struggle with this now but to properly sort of respect that that offer of help so to speak you got to actually have a better idea of what what you can you're trying to accomplish on your end so i think we're getting better mm. at just knowing um just being clear on the the you know one or two things that we're trying to get right right now at this point in time and not not trying to overload things too much so, yeah, well, everybody always wants to get behind a good a good idea that's doing doing good in the community, don't they? So um, it stands to reason that you're going to receive offers. Mm. Um, but as Matthew says, the the how do you kind of put that good good work and make make the most of it is is a difficult proposition sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but look, we're always just so appreciative of of people who, you know. It, it doesn't doesn't matter if they're if they're offering to, to help or something or not, but just if they if they sort of engage and, and 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 take the time to understand, I guess the problem that we're trying to solve and 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 take a little bit of time to um, listen to, you know, the, the, this issue that that most carers in our community face, I think is is a huge win for us. Mm. You know? mm. Mm. Awareness, yeah. So early days, you know limited resources um you're building a startup 
there's all sorts of ideas, all sorts of potential features, big wish list. How do you, like, has it been difficult and how have you handled that strategy of, of what to do and what not to do? You know, what, what to build, what's essential? Have you had a strategy around that or have well, I think you found that? Yeah, well, I think we learned from our mistakes first. I would say our first sort of MVP was pretty feature laden. <laughs> we had a lot in there, um, which is okay. Um, but we we learned from that. There was a lot there that that great things, but maybe we didn't need them all at that time. You know, had I, had I been better skilled in 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 that sort of uh, sort of lean processes and things like that, I probably wouldn't have um, uh, cooked it as much there. Um, but then once we sort of learned those lessons, we really sort of pulled it right back to just what yeah. our user was saying, this is the most important thing to me. This is what needs to work. And really for, for like specifically for our app, it's around, well, we just want people being on the same page and talking to each other. So what's, what's the minimum we need to do that? Like, mm. um, and then sort of go from there without sort of thinking too far this feature turns into this this extra nice to have or this yeah mm. it's quite a mindset change isn't it to sort of just hone it in focus on what's what's absolutely critical like what's the core purpose of it and also you i mean you you need to survive right so you 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 run out of cash it's it's mm. game over so uh you really you really can't be betting i guess your resources on things that aren't I guess necessarily proven, like through through feedback or, or requests. Yeah, you mentioned the lean process there. So, which is for people listening who don't know, is the lean startup, which is a book, and it's it's sort of a whole process which has formed a sort of methodology around agile development and testing your ideas and iterative development and releasing MVPs and um, that's that sort of stuff and and also around startup technology. Like, have you now made more of an effort to learn about that keeping that loop because there's a whole you know startup land has all of these terms and methods and for someone just wanting to create a new product you're not necessarily going to know any of that stuff like do you now make an effort to keep up with that and, and... so so i never be want, want to be one of those guys that that goes on any sort of webinar or anything on social media recommending books that people should read and so on um i I don't, I, I like to read. I just read for pleasure. Uh, so, so um, yeah, so I, I, I don't want to be quoting sort of what people are saying in books and things. What I would say is I, I, I like to learn just through conversations and listening to other, other, other founders. I, I find if someone's willing to share their story, particularly things that didn't work, that's usually the most helpful mm. thing to me. Um, if, if I found that, you know, at this point now, when I, when I go and listen to someone speak, I really value the ones that have done it themselves the most. I think that that's what matters. I think that that's the kind of advice I really want to hear, but back to that whole lean minimal, whatever, whatever you want to call it sort of thing. The only, uh, what I usually say to people who are starting out now, the simplest way I, I would explain it to people is when you start, try and spend zero dollars if you can you know in the stages where you're just validating things and and this is what sort of great people have been able great mentors have been able to teach us how you can sort of test your ideas with people just on paper or, or just you know with with, with non-functioning designs and all that kind of stuff just really push that 
that phase out as much as you can until you get some confidence. And knowing that the feedback that you get from people is actually the real value you're building, I guess, in your company at that mm. time. You know. Yeah, one of one of the one of the uh, the the common struggles or challenges that we find working with some startups historically is this sense that they have to come to the market ready with everything, um, and they can't really talk about it until they've got something that's fairly complete to show people, which is you know the exact opposite of what of what you're saying, um, which is you know talk to people about it first. I think people get scared of not having enough um, to make their idea look substantial. Yeah, I think people are sort of getting, um, because so many people are having a go now, which is like amazing. And you can have a go at something uh, at whatever age as well, like which is even, even, even more incredible. Mm. So I think people are getting more wise about those things, you know. Mm. And the other thing is like it's pretty hard unless, unless you are uh, – one of those teams where you've got a buddy uh, startup founder that is the developer and, and can spend all their hours building something. How are you going to get something completely built? Like the resources required to do that uh, would be quite mm. high anyway. Mm. Yeah. Interesting that you say that because one of the things that we've learned through doing these webinars um, or have come to realize is how many of our startup clients are actually non-tech they're, they're non, they have no technical background, but they're starting these, these tech startups. Um, and I have just come from this morning, we have uh, an executive woman in tech um, meetup and talking to probably eight of the women in a little breakout session this morning and none of them have got a technical background. And here they are with, you know, the head of these technical companies. It's, um, it's, it's uh, great to see just how accessible the technology sector has become you know probably in recent pretty recent times actually yeah it is i mean it's just that all of that has just become uh what would be the right term just just much more sort of democratized so to speak like mm. more accessible like you said and because really technology is not like i mean no offense to some great technical people particularly from custom d <laughs> you know they're just <laughs> tools that we use to solve real world problems so yes you know it, it's That's how right. you then apply those those tools and those those you know those things that you can you can use so um i think it's more just like an even landscape where technical people and sort of non-technical so to speak it's not it's not even like a, any sort of divide it's just all the components you need to being able to solve a problem or create um a product mm. So setting aside the, the technical aspect for a second, what do you think, well, what is, in your opinion, the most critical ingredient to having a successful startup? What do you, what do you think it takes? Uh, critical. Survival is pretty good. Uh, mm. You know, I think it, it, things take longer than people expect. I think everyone yeah. probably goes in with dreams of, I don't know. Making it big. Straight away. <laughs> ping pong tables and all that kind of stuff wearing skivvies um yeah i think it takes longer but if you can survive it's actually quite good because that time really means that you're learning things along the way and you're still going and, and you know so it's sort of survival and, and commitment and time i think is it's just right effort, so like really. perseverance yeah yeah. Don't, yeah don't give up at the first hurdle yeah 
That's right. And like, I think, I think it's easy. It depends, you know, like, cause there's all kinds of startups and, and nothing, none, none are better than others. There's people like me that work on something that I guess is very personal. Um, mm. and, and maybe for me, it's a little bit easier to, to stick to something because it is really personal. There's other people that are working on things because it, you know, it might be just commercially advantageous to have a go at something. They've just got an idea. Mm. And in that case, maybe you don't, you want to just fail fast, so to speak. Mm. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, that's okay too. Like, there's there's nothing wrong with that. That mm. perseverance is is something we see in founders though who succeed. It's like the essential focus that 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 push, whatever you want to call it, a drive. It's just something that you have, Danny, and something that I think is common because you 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 don't have a team around you to start with. You're going to have to do a lot of different. You're going to have to do whatever it takes, really, right? Like, yes. Look, there's some. You know, there's there's there's. I don't want too much ego around it. Like there's some sort of privilege around that as well, right? So, you know, um, before starting Save You, you know, I, I, my wife and I had had good careers and and we, we're lucky to be in a position where I can, we can live on, I guess, one person working full time and the other person mm. having a go at this. Not not everybody can do that. And, and so we're very lucky to be able to actually have a go at this the way that we've been able to. Mm. So tell us about the dark days. Like when, when's it, when has it been really hard and how, how did you get yourself through that? That's a real downer in this conversation. There's comfort in knowing that you're not, this, this, this isn't just happening to you. And so the struggles. Be, yeah. Struggles. Uh, look, I don't know if, when, when I look at it, I don't think it's so much like a like a big sort of up and down sort of chart, you know, like, oh, I've had a terrible day or anything like that. Um, there's a few things that are really important. I mean, you, you, of course, you will get lots of rejections. People are just saying no in many, many different ways. Sometimes you get all those no's on the same day, like on a Friday afternoon for some reason. That's okay. <laughs> it's more, I think for that that kind of thing, it's sort of just accepting that that's actually just part of the everyday. It's just part of the, the sort of, that's what happens. People say yes, people say no, like and just, just make sure you show up the next day. And then having other things around you, like just good support networks and people you can talk to, I think has been really important. You know, I, I really, even though we're a small team, like I, um, I work around other founders. Like I, I have a community of people, you know, in the, in the, say, the social impact space that I work with that I can, I can share things with and, and, and support each other. I think those things are, are pretty important to, I guess, uh, maintaining your, your well-being as you go through I suppose this having, having your wife is, um, you know, so... Uh, invested in this as well um, provides that kind of extra level of support doesn't it because uh, no one will ever care about your children as much as you do as parents so this means as much to her as it does to you and so you know that's a whole kind of wraparound really for the business and for your family yeah I think that is uh it's probably something that people don't talk about that often but like I think for most people you know, my wife has, has, has been involved in the startup all, all the way along. Um, um, but I think it is one of those things that is really important that, you know, if you are going to 
sort of commit yourself to something but you do on the family side of things you do need everyone to be on board um and supporting each other mm. do you have anything you do when you're those down days of friday afternoon sort of to, to de-stress or pick yourself back up sort of go in a quiet room play golf <laughs> i mean to, to be completely honest like nothing is that bad like what what could be that bad like what what, what is there that could be that bad you know that, that could happen and on any given day you know like sounds like you've got a good just maintaining good perspective i think the worst thing that happened is if if you know to me the worst things that when someone um not, not so much gives us feedback that, you know, maybe something isn't working well for them, but it's that it's, uh, you know, that, that, that it's really sort of made their lives actually harder because it hasn't worked okay. the way they wanted to. That mm-hmm. I find hard because I, I then feel like I've personally actually made their lives harder instead of easier, which is what I'm trying to do. Um, and, and, you know, I think with those things, I, I just try and engage with that person to just try and understand them better and, and learn from those mm-hmm. things. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like downtime, I just do the same things as everyone else. <laughs> go home, relax, go to the gym, I don't know, what else? <laughs> the usual. You, I mean, and you, you're going to... Oh, no, you go, Matthew. I was going to say, you're going, you're going to get a wide range of feedback too, so it's not all going to be positive. And I guess it's, it's a case of listening to it and seeing the patterns, right? Because you, when you're designing a product, you don't necessarily want to implement everything if, if the people are asking you because everyone's got different workflows and different pain points and it's yeah you're dealing with them personally i know that you deal you have a quite a personal connection you know especially this sort of the early stages so that's quite it must be quite challenging yeah i i, I honestly will look for any way to keep that going because i, I never want to lose that close connection that we have with our customers mm. that that's really important and i think you have to just be really good at listening and then just having uh like good visibility all the things of all the sort of the deep discussions that you've had and then being good at pulling out what those common themes are so just you know taking good notes but it's not just taking good notes it's, it's really just having that I, I guess a brain that can sort of remember all those discussions and and, mm. and sort of pull out the, the common themes yep so so does working on same does it make you happy it's this is my dream job i just didn't know it when i was younger that this was it's a job i've always wanted but why what is it because of because it's um helping you you know your family and other families is that the is it because it's got purpose yeah absolutely you know if you can do something what what is better than being able to do something for someone else i mean that's Mm. that's the best so uh, I can't. I can't imagine. Yeah, it's. It's. I, I've really enjoyed doing this. I still do. What did you think would make you happy when you were when you were younger or starting out as you, in your career? What What did you sort of aspire to? I don't know. I think I was. I was probably the last of that generation that sort of just, you know, had that whole thing. Oh, you got to go to uni, get the degree, go get a job, and sort of work your way up the ladder so to speak yeah I, I always liked look to be honest I've, I've enjoyed every job that I've had you know I wouldn't go into a job that I didn't like but I did always um in in my prior career I always wanted work where I could be closer 
to working with another human being. Um, uh, you know, because as an engineer, you, you could be working on things like systems and things like that where you're like actively trying to build things so that humans don't have to talk to each other. But I always wanted jobs where I could be closer and closer to actual <laughs> real people. Like, um, and, and I think this, this job lets me be, you know, in touch with human beings 24-7. Yeah, and the, and the most, you know, some of the most challenging aspects probably of their life too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And look, it, it's it's challenging, uh, definitely. And, and people are going through difficult situations. But I would also share that, you know, when I'm on the phone to these other, whether they're, they're individuals looking after themselves or they're, they're, they're carers or, or parents, um, there's always a bit of a humor element to it. Um, just when you, I guess, on the level with someone, um, you, you, there's all they're, they're always great conversations. So mm. that 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 part is the favorite part of my job, just connecting with with our with our community. Do you notice a big difference? To um, this is probably a little bit off track, but a big difference in families that are just starting on this journey versus ones that perhaps a little more seasoned that have you know been living this for a longer period of time well look our what we understand is that of course it's extra hard when you first maybe either get a diagnosis or for some families it's it's you know an, an, an incident something that happens uh that is very difficult but we also understand that there is a day for most families further down the track where you start to feel a little bit more confident that you know maybe you can start articulating your own aspirations or you feel like you're a little bit controlled you're kind of getting it you know how am i going to mm. being able to have your own say in where what where you want to go um our mission is to shorten that time frame as much as possible to get them to that right. track from that first day as quick as we can so looking back anything you would do differently journey so far if you were to do it again uh, doing differently. I think it would just be some of those lessons that we've learned about, you know, how you actually uh, 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 sort of build a product up front. I think we learned a lot of those lessons early. I think getting something out there is, is a really good lesson. We did probably hold it back a little bit too long. Um, other things around, like little things like, you know, uh, I was always, I, I had to do a lot of thinking around, say, like our, our business model and pricing and stuff like that. And with a lot of those things, the answer is always the same. You just put it out there and people will tell you what they think of it. <laughs> so mm. there's no mm. need to sort of spend too much time on your own <laughs> deliberating yeah. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Get it out there. The earlier, the better, really. Yeah. Yeah. I think that goes back to what Julie was mentioning before. It's a, it's a, it's a challenge sometimes to put things out there that might be not quite, you know, you're not quite finished in your mind. You're not quite perfect. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so in terms of your <laughs> in terms of your your long-term vision like when will you know you've done it like you've achieved like what what's the what are you looking for in terms of your overall success vision yeah so it's important to say that we don't have um you know one particular objective where we reach it and then we pop the champagne or anything like that. We don't. We don't think like that at all. Uh, 
in terms of success, we, we definitely, you know, our vision, we want to achieve our vision. We want to be able to see that we're helping families to be more confident. We want to be able to measure that. Well, we want to be able to see that they're achieving their goals more effectively. So there's a lot of things where we will need to measure to, to, to show that. And once we're showing that, then we know that we're, we're doing something right. But I think it's also important along the, not, to, not to think about success like that, like you've got some goals on the horizon, mm. um, to actually try and derive some success uh, as, as you go. So, so for me, mm. it's, it's the individual stories that we get back from customers, the nice feedback that we get from them. They're, they're little successes as you go. I mean, they're big successes, to be honest, because it's uh, a, a, a person's life that we're talking about. Um, you know, any time we get to be out there talking about um, the issues that we're trying to solve, uh, issues for carers and, and advocating for, for, for better sort of coordinated care for them, all of those are little wins. Getting that message out there is, is important. And then also uh, in the sort of in the startup world, um, okay, we've been doing this for a little while, not saying we're successful, but anything we've learned along the way, good or bad, if we can share it and it helps someone else, well, that's a win too. Mm. That's value that we've created yeah. for someone else. So I try and find those opportunities so that, you know, we are maximizing um, just the value of what, what we're doing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that sort of seems very sort of culturally aligned with what SaneView is all about, really, isn't it? It's about how can you do something good for someone else and whether that's actually making their lives easier through your um, SaneView app or sharing your story um, and helping them along the way. It's, it's They're both the same thing, effectively. Sometimes it, it, it puts us a little bit out of alignment with maybe, say, uh, and, and, and nothing wrong with it whatsoever, but other, um, I guess, maybe startups where traditionally maybe you're looking for an exit or you're looking for a raise or something or mm. you're looking for that, you know, this is sort of very sort of defined stages of um, progress. Um, mm. But, you know, that's, that's okay. That's just, I, we're just sort of doing a slightly different thing in, in, in trying to solve a very, very complex issue. I guess so. It, it mm. just takes that time and, yeah, commitment. Yeah, well, sort of, yeah, looking for an exit doesn't really feel like that would be a great motivation for, for starting. Yeah, I, don't, I don't want to say that, you know, we're, we're just sort of doing this without any uh, commercial or scaling or any, any of those sort of considerations. It's just that mm. at the heart of it, I have to trust Mm-hmm. That when you can solve a problem like this for somebody, that the the all the other things will will come with that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, I think right. we've got to the end mm. of our time. Um, that was a really great and fascinating conversation, and um, I feel like I've I've learned a lot more. Even though we've been working with you for a few years now, it's sort of <laughs> understanding. Some of the more personal aspects of, of what you're doing is um, it's been really enriching. Oh, thank you. It's been lovely chatting to you both. Oh, okay. And it's, well. it's great just to hear that you're doing it's your dream job, Danny. I just like yeah. Because I guess yeah, we you know sometimes we wonder how we see the hard work and everything that goes into it, and it's like you you know you still so it's awesome to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. 
All right, well, we'll say goodbye from here. Thanks, everyone, for, for tuning in. And um, till next time. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Startup Stories. If you enjoyed it, then you should probably subscribe. And you can even check out some of the other inspiring stories of everyday people who are driven by passion and belief to see their dream become reality. Or if you're in need of a little or not so little technical help, then head on over to customd.com and get in touch.